Are you feeling frustrated with the job hunt? Are endless applications and a radio silence getting you down? You can now book me for $1 a minute for 30, 45, or 60 minutes. Don't need 45 minutes, don't pay for it. Want to do 30 minutes now and maybe 30 minutes later? Once you progress, let's do it. We can conduct a mock interview. I'll help you format great responses that make a difference. We can improve your resume and cover letter to help get you noticed. I'm here to consult with you. If you're in a unique situation and want input from someone that has seen it all and can help you succeed like I have so many others, it's super simple. Just go to jobinterviewexperience.com and click the $1 a minute coaching button at the very top of the page. Select the amount of time you want to meet and then you can look through my availability without having to pay. Check out my availability, pick a time, and pay $1 a minute for 100% of my attention. It's blocked into 30, 45, or 60 minutes, so we won't go over, you won't get charged any more than what you pay at checkout. Remember, the faster you invest in yourself, the faster you land that dream job. Go to jobinterviewexperience.com or follow the link in this episode's description. I'm excited to meet and help you take control of your career today. Welcome to the job interview experience. Lakia Elam is an HR veteran with more than 20 years of experience in the industry, working across the corporate and nonprofit spaces. Currently, Lakia is the founder and principal at Magnificent Differences Consulting, a trusted HR partner that teams up with organizations, primarily nonprofits, to provide tailored HR services. On the side, her company also does volunteer career coaching for professionals, many of whom are from diverse backgrounds. She is an established thought leader who is known for providing insight on HR, specifically when it comes to DEI and hiring from both the employer and employee, that's you, perspective. Today, we're going to discuss the top three mistakes Lakia commonly sees while coaching job seekers how to rise in your current job instead of just switching employers, the best way to pitch yourself for a promotion, how to get to the next level in your career when feeling stuck, and much more. Lakia, welcome to the job interview experience. Thank you, Matthew. I'm so happy to be here and talk to you and your listeners today. Can you catch us up on your career, the highs, the lows, and what led you to where you are today? Certainly. Like you said, I've been doing this. Sometimes I get I shock myself when I say the number for over or close to 25 years in the HR field. And I remember, you know, so long ago sitting back saying, what do I want to do? Being confused about my career, being confused, like I couldn't find a place that I felt like I belonged. And I said, I want to advocate for people. And was, well, how do I advocate for people? I have so much, I'm, you know, to share. I have so much information, but what do I do? Like, I want to be an HR director. I'm going to be an HR director one day. That was, at that point, the height of where my dreams went. And then so I ended up as, as an HR coordinator. And over the years, you know, just worked my way up until I hit a, a ceiling. I did not have a degree. And I could not get a job higher. Than, I couldn't even get a manager title. And so then I kind of went back. I went back to school, got my associate's degree, got all the way up to my master's degree. And then pushed myself beyond that in my career. My career started taking off from that point. And I was working a job that I thoroughly loved in HR. I was an HR director 
And I, I, was, I just started to feel like there's more for me to do. I have so many experiences. I've had so much to share. I need to take my skills and scale them. And one day I was in a meeting with my manager and we were talking. And I was just like, today is the day. Today is the day. And after we got to the talk, I said, so I am going to submit my resignation. And she, I did not have another job. And she was like, I knew it was coming. I could feel it. And so MDC was born. MDC was born in that sheer moment, you know, I, and that actual job ended up being my first client. And, and, you know, for MDC 60 days later. So I, in 45 days, I got MDC up and running. Wow. And so great. here I am today. It's a great testament to what they thought of you, too, because oftentimes things aren't as friendly after submitting. If you're doing great work and you leave, sometimes there's hurt feelings there. Before we dig into the career side of things, we want to get to know you just a little bit better outside of work. What are you passionate about? What do you do to relax? Is there a time outside of work? Sometimes I try to figure out what is outside of work, because as you know, running your business it's a 24-7 nonstop, and I don't want to say grind like it's a bad thing, but situation. But again, you know, it's funny. My professional life actually mirrors my personal life. So I am the nucleus of my family. So holidays, times, it's all about family. It's all about family fun. So everyone gathers at our house. Everyone comes to us, whether it's Again, even sometimes out of the holidays, they're here. But outside of just hosting and cooking for the family and spending time playing games, I love to travel. So I have one daughter. She and I, we just go, you know, we love traveling. And then I, I read a lot. And But again, I spend a lot of time talking with, um, partnering with just people, whether it be family or friends, just finding stuff to talk about. I guess I could be considered a, 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 a chatty Kathy, if you will. I love just chit-chatting. You help companies identify and attract talent. And I want to break both of those words down for our audience to get the type of perspective of the professional they're hoping to impress, which is you. So when a company gets a lot of applications, how do they actually identify who's good? 10, 15 years ago, those applications would come in, right? And someone would source through the applications. And today with the advancements of technology, ATSs, right? The ATSs go and they parse through and they look for information. And then depending on who that recruiter is or the sourcer is, they could either let the ATS just do it all. And then only the resumes that float up to the top because they have the right words. Those are the people that they're looking at. Or you have the other side, which is what we, we my team and I still do. We'll look at what's, what floats to the top. But we also go looking through what didn't make it to the top because I am a firm believer that the systems cannot do it all for you. Yeah. They still need the human touch, the human eye, the human heart and experience to look through and see what it missed because those systems aren't good at finding transferable skills. Those systems aren't good at finding that, what I, that diamond in the rough, that person that just need that opportunity. And so for us, we, 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 some people may say it's not, it's not efficient, but it's, I believe it's the right thing to do. You know, you touch those applications in addition to that tracking system. 
Yeah, the applicant tracking system is the recruiter's best friend and the applicant's worst enemy, I think. But that human touch, an ATS, AI, whatever it is, I don't think it can tell you when someone submits a cover letter or a summary on their resume that inspires the recruiter or the manager, the company owner. I don't think it's there yet. They don't know. And a cover letter, a lot of it is good or bad based on who's reading it, not how it's written. Now, there's a lot of bad ways to write a cover letter. But a cover letter can really inspire someone within a company to say, hey, this person, their vision, what they want to do, what their plan is here based on what they've written, this is exactly right. They're reading our minds, a thing. The the ATS, at least to my knowledge, can't tell you that. And so getting your eyes on that, and it's hard work, but to me, the company needs to put some effort in as well, right? Not just the applicant. If you want great people, I think you're going to get out of it what you put into it, kind of like what you said. So it's a balance because... You've also probably seen you'll get 500 applications for a, it's like the description be this job is in person in this spot and we need to hire it in the next week and someone applies from a different country, right? And it's just, there's no way logistically that any of this can work. And maybe you're trying to hire a doctor and a bicycle mechanic applies from somewhere in Europe. I've seen stuff like this a lot. And so that's where the ATS, I think, really helps out and helps sort some of that through. So then the recruiter can get their eyes on the good people. Absolutely. I, I agree. I have a posting right now where that very thing is happening, but the ATS can't, we can, you then sort it, right? So we only want people in this geographic space. We only want this. It's hard work, but it's necessary work. It is necessary. If employers are, they have a thing in mind, right? Like, so they, they're trying to get to their goals or whatever, but you, if you don't have the right person in the right seat at the right time, you'll never achieve those goals, dear employer. So why not take the time up front in the way that you connect with applicants to ensure that you are really surveying all of the talent out there and thinking bigger about what it is that you want, why you need it, and then connecting with those people and giving some people an opportunity, whether they're qualified, dependent, regardless of the quali- they have to be qualified at a baseline level. But it doesn't matter, you know, the school or the this or the past experience or the industry experience. Do they say the skills? Do they have the skills represented that you are looking for? And then let's move based on that. 100%. We've covered how to identify talent. Now I want to move to the idea of attracting talent. And from what I've been observing, I feel like the good vibes and ping pong table sales pitch has worn out its welcome and people see through it. You can have those things, right? Everyone's happy on the company website, but if you have a president or CEO or founder that's toxic, none of that stuff really matters. And I think some of that stuff too just is a distraction that doesn't focus on the work, right? All all the fun stuff that company, I think 10, 15 years ago, everyone, we have a beer keg that you can have anytime. I think all that stuff, people have gotten over it. So when it comes to attracting talent, what are companies, good companies doing right? Oh, great question. You know, focusing on attracting talent, is they have to recognize it's an experience for the candidate. And that experience starts from what we just talked about, the job post, right? So does your post tell the candidate at a baseline level, like everything that they need to know, give them a little glimpse into the culture, give them, you know, what the duties are. Talk about at some level what benefits are, what the schedule is, right? Like give the cancel from that point. And then they are, inter- they don't have a 10-minute application, <laughs> Amen. right? 
that application is gets just the, the information that's necessary to get them into the system. They they are able a candidate is, a, is able to upload their resume, and then it doesn't ask them the same questions that's on their resume, right? So like so let's just edit base. So and then from the t- and then good companies have thoughtful touch points, okay. And so again, it's the touch. The first touch point is that application, getting it up into the system, and then once it's reviewed. What does the first reach out to the client look like? Is it email? Is it phone call? Typically, it's an email because depending on the size of the company, right? And then how do you move the candidate through each stage of your interview process? If we are interviewing a receptionist, why do they need the interview with, and I'm being, I'm over-exaggerating here, 60 people? Why does it need to be 10 interviews? And then some, you know, deep diving assessment that has no indicator on what the job looks like. So good companies aren't doing that, right? They are thinking about the role, who that role touches within the organization. Who does that person need to interview with? To Who will they, you know, like, so obviously the manager may be a peer and maybe someone cross-departmentally. Maybe the peer in that cross-departmental or cross-organizational person can meet with that person as a panel. They don't have 10-person panels. They just have thoughtful panels, thoughtful touch points. And then they're getting back to the candidates at each stage of the process in a timely fashion. Why is it taking, you know, three months to hire for support staff or three months to hire for mid-level manager? I can understand a six-month, to some degree, executive or CEO level, but even, even in that case, it doesn't have to take that long. So the good companies are really thinking about and focusing on the candidate experience through meaningful, timely um, touch points, through meaningful, timely touch points. I think there is a, a perfect balance because you don't want to hire too quickly. But when you hire too slow, I think first off, you lose great candidates. I get emails from listeners pretty often where and this is just how the universe works. They apply maybe weeks or months and all for whatever reason, they get two job offers in the same week. And when you're in interview three of eight and this other company has just finished interview three and they've made you an offer, you're not going to hold out for another two or three weeks of interviews. Why would you? Or it's just going to create strain on that relationship. I think the other thing, these companies that do all these interviews, it just shows the company doesn't trust itself. It's not that they can't get to know this person. How can you not know within, I would think, four interviews that someone's right? And maybe they have a lot of great talent, maybe whatever. But to me, that's just a leadership team that doesn't have the focus to know who needs to make the decision, who who, who they can trust to, to make the call on it. And I think it just, it wastes a job seeker's time. I think it really leaves a bad taste in the mouth of if you do that with five people, and one of them gets a job. Well, you have four people. You've just kept on the hook waiting for months, I think, most of the time. That's just company culture that's gotten into that and moved from it, or it's just lasted through decades of use. Or a lot of times, I think it's just no one has tried to restructure things, right? It's too hard. Or there's some people that are just married to that idea of eight interviews minimum. Mm-hmm. I totally, I agree. I, I, I do. I think sometimes the person... Oftentimes, it's the person who created that process. Like, what? It's it, it works. No, it worked twenty years ago. Let's let's think about what's happening to, today. Right? It's not working today. And I often tell job seekers, look at carefully watch how a company treats you during the interview process, 
because that's a clear indicator of most more times than not of what your experience will be like as an employee, right? So you have to be mindful. Pay attention. And I know how hard it can be when you're looking for something to just be like, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to ignore the signs. Don't ignore the signs. Pay attention to the signs. Write them down. You should be keeping a journal anyway of when you're interviewing and what's going on and notes throughout the process. And even if you decide to take said job that didn't have such a great process, take that job with the understanding and know what you're getting into so that when it starts to happen, you're not like, you know, shook. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place, and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oh my gosh. And as you're saying that, it just makes so much sense outside the job interview. So maybe that's your experience to get the job. You had to do nine interviews. I think there's probably, like you said, a strong correlation. If you have a problem at the company, like a real problem, or maybe you want a promotion or you want to learn how you can rise in the company. My guess is there's going to be nine, not nine interviews for that to happen. There's going to be nine people you have to go through to even get somewhere. There can be great companies that do that just because that's how they've always done it and no one's shaking things up. But I think that's a really good reflection of what the culture's like and what processes look like for a lot of other things. Absolutely. Without a doubt. And you say nine, I might say 90 because it's going to take yeah. 10 months, right, to make a decision. Because a lot of times when it's, t you may just mention earlier about the process, it's a consensus thing, right? We got to get consensus from this person. We got to get consensus no one trusts themselves at any level within an organization that everything has to bubble up to the top. And if everything is bubbling up to the top, whoever that top person is, they become a roadblock because they have so many things in the queue. And th this thing to them may seem so small that it just keeps getting pushed back and back and back that they have to because they have to deal with other organizational priorities that they're missing their people. So sometimes it's not even intentional. Right. Because people start to feel like they don't care about me. They don't. And sometimes it's not intentional. It's just because of the way that the organization runs, that the people, the most important piece to any organization, because employees should be an organization's raving fan, number one fan, but they end up getting the short end of the stick. Well, before Lakia and I scare everyone off from ever applying to a job again, which a lot of companies don't do, and I think it's getting better. So don't, I wouldn't worry too much about the 10, 15 interviews. I think for the most part, companies are moving a lot faster these days. But I'll ask you, your sought after interview coach, can you pinpoint the top maybe three mistakes that you're commonly seeing people do while you're interfacing with them? Absolutely. 
And so, yes, please first, be, let me just pause. Please don't get scared off. We're just talking about some of the things that we see. And in, in, to Matthew's point, they are, it, it is getting smaller, but we do want you to be aware. We just want people to be aware awesome. of what can happen. The top three things that I am seeing candidates do that I, that can be done better, and I'm coaching them on it. One is not knowing or not being able to convey their experience outside of what's on their resume. A good recruiter knows what's on your resume. So your your goal, your job is to be able to sell your experience for that role. Not sell, but show. Show. Let's use the word show. Show your experience outside of what's on your resume. And then telling. So ultimately, you're telling the story of your career, what's on your resume, but then you're building it out because you can only put so much on your resume to get them to see the full picture and to have an understanding of why you are the best candidate for the role, right? Number two would be not asking the right questions in an interview. So the what I often tell my, what I often tell the people that I'm coaching is you, at every step of the interview process, whether it is one or 15 interviews, right? At every, every touch point, you should have, you know, questions that you're asking, the one or two questions that you are asking of every person that you interview or meet with, right? The same question, asking every person. Then you should have one or two questions that are different, but they're all they're around the culture, they're around the role. Because then if you're you're taking those notes in that journal that we talked about just a few minutes ago, then you're able to go back and compare and contrast, especially with the two questions that you're asking the same of. You're asking about the culture, you're asking about the environment, you're asking about promotions or how they support their employees. And what you're doing is you're seeing if those stories are similar or if they're different, right? Like you're looking for those key things that the current employees are bringing up so that then you can get a better picture of what you're walking into. And then the third thing that I am seeing is when it comes to the salary conversation, what you're worth that's realistic to the position that you're applying for. And knowing that number and when being asked about your salary, you stating it in a way that in, in a way that exudes confidence. So practice saying that in the mirror, practice it with your career coach, practice it with someone that you trust, but you gotta be comfortable with saying what your number is. Out, 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 out and open up front and then having that conversation afterwards, right? Like, so whatever it is, saying that number and then being prepared for what they're going to come back with and then turning it into a conversation. Love it. You've mentioned a couple of times the idea of journaling, taking notes during maybe the whole interview process. Can you dig into that a little bit more for listeners and give them an outline of how they can use that to help improve their process? Certainly. So I absolutely, I think from the first phone screen through the last interview, you should have, and while you're looking for a job, you should just have one book where you just take in notes of the places that you apply to, right? And then whatever conversations come up as a result of that, because at each step you want to get, you want to show that you are retaining the information. For me as a recruiter, or when I'm recruiting, looking for someone, I am, I'm, I'm looking for someone to pull out that notepad because number one, that's showing interest in what I'm saying. It's showing that you care enough about this conversation that you want to take notes. But what it does for you as a candidate on the back end, if you're in a like a, a cycle of interviewing, one job, two job, three, 
they all become the, you know, just one and the same at some point. And so taking those notes and it helps you to remember the important things, the things that you did that didn't feel so good so that when you go to make a decision, you're going back to these notes and not relying strictly on your memory when you've had so many interviews to help you make said decision. I also encourage listeners, you can take notes during your interview. Now, you don't want to spend 90% of the interview taking notes. Maybe it, no, that number should be like 5 or 10% of the interview taking notes, right? You don't want to have your head in the pad the whole time. You want to be making eye contact and focusing on the questions. But think of it this way. Obviously, you're interviewing to come to a job. And say that you hire a, or you invite a contractor to come over to your house. You need some work done. Maybe you want to remodel your kitchen. Which contractor would impress you more? One that came in and you spoke to him, they said, okay, that all sounds great and leave. Or one that takes notes, writes down exactly what you say, writes, maybe draws a couple pictures in their notepad and really puts all of that down in one place because they care. They want to get it right. And what you say is important to them. So that, that's how I like to compare the two. Mm -hmm. There's a balance, obviously. Like I said, you have to be careful not be looking at your piece of paper for most of the interview instead of the interviewer. I've seen people use it as a shield in the wrong way to people that are nervous or maybe a little less social. But it shows, like Lakia said, a higher level of interest, I think, of someone who's more detailed and organized does things like that. But then the notes you take can also help you. Maybe they, the company will mention a client that they have. Maybe they will mention a piece of software that they have. Well, you can go look those up after the interview. If you're like me, you won't remember the name. It's A, B, C, D, E, F, G, software company. It's like, well, I'm not going to remember that if you're like me. So now you have it written down. So now for your next interview, this is probably exactly why you're recommending it. You can do your research, look them up, see what they do, and then come back to your next interview and say, hey, I saw that you're using this tool. Have you seen this new product they're about to launch? I think this can really help this program that you're working on, all these things. So I wish I would have brought this up to listeners sooner. Thank you for the idea of not just taking notes during the whole process, but also during the interview. I think it's really powerful. Absolutely. You're welcome. It, it is. And so I'm one of those people that I'm, you know, I, you know, it took some practice to learn how to look up, look down and then write your notes because you can easily get back into that habit of just drilling in. Because if you're taking notes the entire time they're talking, you're missing something valuable to your point, like the client or the new software you know, whatever those things are. But the, the key in taking those notes is really getting down high level stuff that will be meaningful to you as the candidate to so as you move on in the interviews to bring up again. But also when you're making a decision or you're thinking about something or for your next interview with another company, each time you get an opportunity to to gain some knowledge, right? Like once you look up a system, you can start using YouTube to learn about that system whether you get that first job or not, but so that then, because that system may be something that's niche or has or new to the market or to the field that you're applying for. So why not? Yeah. And maybe they'll mention one of their competitors, write down that name, go apply to them right when you get home. I mean, there's a lot that you can take from that. My problem is when I take notes, I get distracted. I look down, I say, I'm never going to be able to read this later. My handwriting still <laughs> sucks. I hope they don't see the notepad. I hope they can't see how bad my handwriting. Yes. When someone has a job, and this is going to be a lot of listeners, they have a job, they're thinking about leaving their company. What strategies do you have that they should consider to staying at their current job and trying to improve their situation? And more so, I would say things like promotion, find asking for better opportunities, 
things like that? I think it depends. I think it depends why they want to leave, right? And so if it's because we could, this question is loaded. We can go so many directions with this question. But what I always, I, I like to tell my coaching clients, I say, look, when you go into a role, you should always, depending on the level. So we're going to just pick, you know, they've been there five or 10 years. So they're more mid, mid career professional. So, you know, I'm thinking, but they have each year, you should have like, you say, all right, I got a two year plan. These are the things that I want to learn. These are the things that I want to do in the course of this two years, right? And you should be checking this. Again, I'm big on notes and journaling, as you see, but, and then at the end of each year, they should look and see what they've crossed off and then other things have come up. So they're also adding that to the list. So we, to your, to your question, we're at year five. You got this list. Where are you at in your, you know, each two year, three year, you know, journal and plan of the things that you need to get. If you've gotten them all and no other opportunities are presenting themselves at this organization, you should absolutely say, okay, and then you have a conversation with yourself. What is it that I'm going, why, why do I want to leave? Is it the money isn't good? Is it because I've done everything that I needed to do here that, you know, now it's time to go somewhere else so that I can continue to, you know, evolve myself as a professional so that I can make more money so that I can become a manager get greater opportunities, right? And if that is the case, I would say start with, so what is the industry? Do you want to stay in this, you know, kind of role and do the things to make sure, and it doesn't take a long time to make sure that you're ready to start interviewing, to make sure that you're ready to start applying and so that you can put your best self forward. Because I've seen so many people, they get to this point where they've been in a role five or 10 years, and then they're just exhausted because they've tried for the promotion. They've tried for this. And, and then they just start to feel like nothing's going to work. I might as well settle. Right. And so what happens is when they start to interview, they aren't given their best selves because they're worn down. Yeah. They just want to get out of this place. Right. They just want to get away from this place. And they don't realize that they're carrying those bags on their shoulders. So what I would say to you, if you're ready to go, find a career coach, find someone to talk to, find a mentor, someone to talk to about it. And, but, and then you also have to do the deep work within yourself. Ask, asking those real questions. What, if the situation is bad, what, if anything, did I do to make this situation like this? What do I, what can I do the next time to ensure that it don't get like this? What employer, what type of employer do I want to work for? What type of manager do I want to work for? Write these things down. Write them down, look at them, do some deep work within yourself over the course of a couple of weeks so that then once you go to start applying, you know what you want. You're able to have these good conversations and then you're able to also see that the baggage that you've put down on your note. You see, I keep looking down like I'm writing, but the baggage that you've put down and you can make a conscientious effort. I am not carrying this with me. Right. Like I'm not taking this with me. We're going to do that. We're looking for something better. And this is what I don't want from the next employer or the next manager. And so then you're going to craft some questions to ask in the interview process to make sure that you're not going into a similar situation. I like what you did there because you kind of took a step back instead of a step forward with my question. I think that's what professionals really need is to do this assessment and figure out what's what are the, some of the root causes? What are the symptoms of what's causing me to feel this way? How much of it is me? How much of it is the employer? Maybe who settled first? Who wants more out of me? Me or the employer? Great employers probably want more out of you than you do. Great employers see more in you than you probably see in yourself. We, Key and I think of these things. Our job is careers. 
your job is maybe marketing or aerospace or whatever. So you're not trained to think of some of these questions and trajectories the same way that say Lakia is. So that's where it's helpful to get that outside perspective. Listeners and job seekers want more out of their career. They do want to grow and get promoted and increase their compensation, but they just feel stuck. Maybe it's them, maybe it's the employer. I'm not sure who. What what can listeners do? What can people, job seekers do to get to that next level when they're stuck in a rut? They've been somewhere, maybe the same type of job or in the same job for too long. They just don't know how to move forward. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Taking that next step can be one of the hardest things, right? And so, again, I'm always going to tell you, I'm always going to tell you, you, at this point, you should have done the work. So, you know, right? Like you've done the work, you got the stuff written, you know. I would say, take a look at your resume, obviously, right? But take a look at your resume, take a look at that position description and put yourself, and then we need to get it updated. We need to see how we say some of those pro- the things that aren't on your on your position description or on your resume. What are some of the projects that you worked on? What are some of the outs? What's some of the outside learning that you've done? Some of the experiential learning that you may have from some things that you've done, even with your child and this on their soccer team, right? Like you could be this is like what are some things that you? And then we got to get that first of all on your resume. Then we have to get you comfortable with talking about it and seeing it as a marketable skill set. Right. So first of all, we got to see it bigger because sometimes people get so caught up on the actual task, but they don't think about the the impact on the organization, the impact. On, and so we got to be able to convey it that way, first of all, for you as the job seeker. And then secondly, for us as the the red, the hiring manager or the recruiter. Right. And so I would say start making connections with people in the inside field or connections with people inside role that's a step up and talking to them about what their experiences is and is not what it, you know, was good and what's not so good about it. And then start putting, putting out those fillers, put them out there, have the conversations. Don't expect the first one to be it. But again, it's this concept of building your knowledge with every touch point. So that by the time you get to the third one or the fourth one, you're ready. You're having the right conversations. You know the right language. You've done the you've done some research on the tools that they're using on the industry norms and the industry language. You know that stuff and it's coming up naturally in your conversation. But here's what I'm going to say to you. I have a manager who used to say this all the time. You know, we talk about money. She said, with more money comes, you know, 
greater responsibility, greater accountability. So be prepared so that when you do take that next step for the increased responsibility, for the increased accountability, for the expectation that you are more communicative, you're saying the right things to the right people at the right time, you're managing up, right? And down. So then it, it requires more from you. So I think that is the, the key. You do all of the stuff to get there, but what happens when you get there that you are ready for what comes with it? That's fantastic. Is it okay with you if I jump back to a response you had two questions ago? You said something that I think is really meaningful and I wanted to spend a little more time on. Is that okay? Sure. When you're talking about introspection and thinking about why you want to make a move, all of those things, you talked about the baggage that we carry with us from past jobs. And I just wanted to add something to that. If you don't take the time and find a way to heal or move forward from that baggage, maybe it's a really bad boss. Maybe it's just one coworker. I've had this before. One coworker who intentionally tries to cause stress and strain and nerves. Maybe it's just a depressing workplace. Maybe you're in a basement somewhere, right? It, maybe maybe it's talking with customers where you hear really hard. It could be a thousand different things, a thousand different ways. But when if you don't find a way to move through that baggage, whether it's through a career coach, a friend, a counselor, or just spending some time let, letting go of it, as someone who's interviewed a lot of people and interviewed a lot of great people that have baggage, that baggage shows up at job interviews. And it, sadly, it really hurts the candidates because they bring up all the bad things that they're trying to get away from. They have this baggage and you can tell in the tone of their voice, they're either a little bit angry or hurt. Maybe a lot of times they feel hopeless because of the last place they were at and maybe their bad boss. But when you bring in some of that anger and resentment, what the recruiter sees is someone who's just going to bring that with them. I think, unfortunately, we all know that there's bad workplaces. But when you bring that, when your reason for talking about a new job is trying to get away from something, you're coming at the complete wrong angle. The reason that you should be approaching employers saying, hey, my last job, there was great things about it, wasn't perfect, but that no place is. But why I'm here today is because what you're doing, I have skills that I think can help you move forward. When you come in with that, as opposed to my last workplace was toxic and my boss was this and I had a coworker this. Those two different, that can be the exact same skill set, the exact same ability. When you have those two different people, but one comes in with the negative perspective and one comes in with the positive, it's a night and day difference. And recruiters can see that from a mile away. So that's really, that's a, a piece of homework. That's a task for listeners that feel like they have some of that less than stellar past experience at their last job. That is something I'd highly encourage you find a way. This isn't my expertise, so I'll just say, look into a way to try and move on from that to let it go so that you can walk into your interview, not talking about the fat, the past, but talking about the future with that employer. Yes. You know, I am, I like with, with, with everyone that I talk to, you know, one of, one of the differentiators here at MDC is we like to keep it real. And I remember the first time I used this, I tell people you had, I don't even call it, I called it baggage for the sake of your listeners, but because we dive in deeper into it, I'll tell you, I tell my people, there's a stench. You have that stench on you because then that really connects. So when you come and sit in front of me, there's a, a bad job stench on you. And I don't know whether it was the company or if it was you. And so we have to do the work necessary 
to get it off as a recruiter. I'm saying not as a coach yep. when I'm to your, you know, and so I'm like, what do, what do you do? And so just for a couple pointers for your, for your listeners, again, it's all about it, the introspection and it's writing. It is getting it out of here, writing it. What are the problems? Writing it 100%. down. hundred percent. Yeah. For me, it just, if through some really hard times in my life, writing stuff down, there's just something it like, it removes it from my brain, removes it from my heart right here. It just puts it somewhere else. It's just, yes. it's, that's what works for me. Maybe not everybody. Some people, I think it's getting the words out for me. Believe it or not, I'm really bad at getting those words out the right way. But when I can really take the time with a piece of paper and basically that ink, it's almost like that pulls that hurt or stress or whatever out of me. So if you've been listening to what Lakia says and you like what she says and you trust her, trust this thing about taking notes, writing some of this stuff down. It can be now, it can be during your job search. I'd encourage both. Give it a try. Can you share just a little bit more? about what MDC does, Magnificent Differences Consulting, MDC, what it does yeah. and what you find most rewarding. We're right at the intersection at MDC. We're right at the intersection of employers and employees. So we're all about helping people solve professional problems, right? The, the beauty of being at that intersection, we're helping organizations get rid of petty policies. I call them petty policies because those old policies from back in the day, they don't support your people that that's coming to work for you today, right? So we help them to modernize their policies. We help them to think about the people as they are today, right? We So we're helping them to create programs with, you know, performance programs. We coach people through throughout organizational partners to, we just, you think about it, we help them recruit because, you know, we create meaningful touch points. It's all of these things to help modernize and to help to continue to elevate organizations so that they can then attract and retain best-in-class employees, right, talent, and then they can do what they set out to do, which is achieve their organizational goals. The other side of that is we're coaching people how to stand out, how to be game changers as employees. So when they get the right opportunity, when they meet that right opportunity in an interview, that they are then showing their best selves, that they are then prepared to go in and then change the game by doing the work necessary to one, help elevate that organization or two, that's two, but to, 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 to one, become a better professional so that then you can do the things that you want to do. So what is it that you like to do? You, you want to get, you, you like learning. Okay. You're learning while you're helping them, but on the back end, you're doing those things that's intrinsic. You're able to take care of your family. You're able to travel. You're able to do the things that you like to do and enjoy outside of work, you're making the money, you're making a meaningful impact, right? For the organization and for yourself. And so then there should be this sense of, what is the word I'm looking at? This sense of empowerment, this sense of feeling just like, yes, like good about yourself, great about your contributions, right? And then that'll ultimately help to just continue to fuel all positive things into your life, into the organization, but so that then you can continue to feel good about yourself all around. What's interesting about Lakia's interview coaching or career coaching is a lot of people work with, they help organizations and they just help organizations. A lot of people are interview career coaches and they just help people. When Lakia does both, she sees day to day, up to date, up to the minute, what companies are looking for, what changes they're making, maybe shifts in the industries she works in, what their priorities are. 
I think that's really powerful for a job seeker because Lakia kind of has the boots on the ground with the type of people that job seekers want to work with. And that can be really powerful to get that insight. So with that, I'll ask, how should listeners connect with you and MDC? We'll put a link to that in this episode's description. Yeah, so there through our website, which will be on which you'll post, but it's hire, H-I-R-E-M-D-C.com. Um, we're on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. On Instagram, we are hire, H-I-R-E underscore M-D-C. And then we're Magnificent Differences Consulting on Facebook and LinkedIn. Um, we are happy to connect with people. And, wanted, and I just wanted to add, Matthew, to one of the things you said. Another piece of us that, that you get, we meet people where they are. So all of our career coaching is specialized, customized to each person. Because no two job seekers, just like no two people are the same. So when you're talking to me as a as a career candidate, I am listening to you. I'm listening to what you're saying. I'm listening to what you're not saying so that then I can give you actionable, real-time advice on how then to get to whatever that next step is that you're trying to get to. Fantastic. I'll link to those in this episode's description and we'll post this conversation on social media. And I'm finally catching up. I think I'm in the, like the year 2018 now, but I've figured out how to tag guests on Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn. So that'll just add to the, I'm sure, experience for people who watch the video interview that can click through to those. And then those links will be in the episode's description. Before we call today, do you have any final words of wisdom or motivation for listeners as they take everything they've learned from you today and move forward with their career? Thank you for that question. I absolutely do. Listen, looking for a job, whether you have a job or you are unemployed and you're looking for that next thing, it is one of the toughest times, the most anxious, anxiety-riddled things that you can do. What I'm going to say to you is take a step back and remember this thing first, that you are capable, you are qualified, and that you are going to be exactly where you need to be. Do the work necessary to present yourself in the best possible, in the best possible way to the prospective employer. And I know this is going to sound challenging. Don't feel like you have to take the first thing that's handed to you and then be miserable. The last thing that I want, and I haven't met any of you, but the last thing that I genuinely want in my heart is to see any person unhappy in a role. So ask those questions, do the right thing, present yourself in the right way, but do not feel the pressure to take anything, right? Like just, just please. And I say that because here's the thing. I've coached many people and I told this to two candidates recently. They, they were like, Lakia, no, no, no. I don't, I got to take this. They didn't take it, but we kept working at it because we look for a job like it's our full-time job. And then shortly thereafter, the next thing came, it was great. And now they've been in this role for some time and doing well. If an employer show you who they are and is not great up front, believe them but believe in yourself even more. Lakia Elam, thank you so much for joining us. Hope you'll come back and do it again sometime soon. Thank you. Absolutely. I'd be happy to. Are you feeling frustrated with the job hunt? Are endless applications and a radio silence getting you down? You can now book me for $1 a minute for 30, 45, or 60 minutes. Don't need 45 minutes. Don't pay for it. 
want to do 30 minutes now and maybe 30 minutes later, once you progress, let's do it. We can conduct a mock interview. I'll help you format great responses that make a difference. We can improve your resume and cover letter to help get you noticed. I'm here to consult with you. If you're in a unique situation and want input from someone that has seen it all and can help you succeed like I have so many others, it's super simple. Just go to jobinterviewexperience.com and click the $1 a minute coaching button at the very top of the page. Select the amount of time you want to meet and then you can look through my availability without having to pay. Check out my availability, pick a time, and pay $1 a minute for 100% of my attention. It's blocked into 30, 45, or 60 minutes, so we won't go over, you won't get charged any more than what you pay at checkout. Remember, the faster you invest in yourself, the faster you land that dream job. Go to jobinterviewexperience.com or follow the link in this episode's description. I'm excited to meet and help you take control of your career today.